Star Wars Escape Pod. I'm your host, Josh, and uh, we have our friends Kirk and Blake joining us in the Escape Pod today to break down Andor Episode 6. So, that being said, let's uh, let's dive right into this, shall we? Another happy landing. All right, welcome back to the podcast, uh, Blake. Yes, thank you. Always good to be back. And Kirk, welcome back, man. You missed a week, but uh, good to have you back. Hello there. It's good to be back. Hello there. Yeah, so uh, this series, I mean, uh, we're at the halfway point, which is uh, a little nuts to think about because I feel like the show literally just came out. But then again, I was like, oh, I guess we got three in one day. So, <laughs> you know, it's yeah, gone that quick. Throws yeah, it off. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I almost feel like, because I'm used to eight episodes, it feels like we've also had a lot of content. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah I feel sure. like there's so much more to go. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, uh, it, it, what's even more crazy is in two weeks, Tales of the Jedi comes out on Disney, so we'll have overlapping oh, Star Wars shows. Yeah. <laughs> October 26th is the premiere date for uh, Tales of the Jedi. So I'm lo- I'm really looking forward to that. I don't know about you guys, but uh, that's on my... Yeah, I'm, so, I'm so keen. Yeah. Yeah. Should be good. The yeah, origins of the, Dooku. Yeah, and, yeah, that's right. That'll be cool. I'm pretty stoked for that. Liam Neeson's we- son playing a younger version of him as Qui-Gon Jinn. Oh, I didn't know that. They cast really? his son for the voice? Yep. yep. They cast Liam Neeson's son as a younger Kwai Gunjin voice. So I, I forget his name, but that's that's who he's playing. I was like, wow. <laughs> I guess he must be a good voice match because, uh, you know, I, I can't imagine anyone better. You know, it's like verbally, it's like someone just telling me Liam Neeson's son is playing a younger Kwai Gun. I was like, sold. <laughs> wow. I mean, he yeah. knows his dad's voice pretty well, I would hope. Yeah, yeah. Um I uh, I would I would definitely hope so. Um so uh we uh we I got a little voice clip. Um little voice a little little piece of dialogue that I want to just like kick things off with uh for uh this particular episode. It was actually uh, on this week in Star Wars if anyone subscribes to the Star Wars YouTube channel. Uh you probably would have ca- caught this, but it's a little kind of a rare piece of insight from uh Tony Gilroy who is like the kind of producing, directing, screenwriting guy behind Andor. So let's just take a listen. You have a long history of working on spy thrillers, Rogue One included. How do you take those elements of intrigue 
espionage and a noir sensibility and translate that into the Star Wars galaxy. This is a chance to do a show about the ordinary people of this galaxy and the pressure that they're put under by these sort of tectonic revolutionary pressures that are being put on them from all sides. The people who are ignoring it and been ignoring it and trying to ignore it. You got people who have been fighting it from the beginning. You have people that are being dragged into it against their will. You got people that are coming into it for theoretical reasons. And you got people that are coming in for revenge. That's what's fascinating. Thrillers are always people under pressure. But what's great is all of the outer problems all of the outer pressures that weigh down on people expose all of the other problems that they have and heighten all the problems that they have in their lives. And in a thriller, that's the buy-in from the beginning. I can't imagine writing black and white. I believed in every villain I've ever written. You really gotta believe in them, you gotta love them. And you gotta know why they're doing it and you gotta feel for it and there has to be a reason for it. You gotta get behind everybody. Thank you, Tony. All right, well, that's a little uh, interesting piece. I was like, hey, well, let's, let's play that because um, I mean, I think it's really important for, uh, you know, a writer of a Star Wars show to just know what they're doing with the villain because we've seen what happens when people don't know what they're doing with the villain <laughs> and it doesn't turn out great. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, I thought that was great. But what I, what I thought was also really fantastic is that he mentioned that uh, this is kind of a rare opportunity to give a little bit of insight as to um, people, just average everyday people in the galaxy, which is uh, something mm -hmm. that, uh, Blake, that you yeah. mentioned last week when we were talking about um, just kind of general stuff like oh, like this random rebel guy in Hoth. Like now now uh, I'm thinking a little more deeply about like what kind of backstory he's got because we're starting to see a pattern of like everyone's got their own rebellion and that just kind of keeps coming up now in this show. So I thought that was like yeah, a perfect thing to it's say. It's giving them a lot more individuality, right? Of like everyone who's there has a reason. It's not just rebel trooper number four. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, uh, let's, uh, let's start with, uh, breaking down this episode. I mean, it's, it's the third, it follows in the pattern of, of the last two story arcs. I want to say, uh, very much like a clone wars esque thing to do. Every three episodes is, uh, a story arc. And, uh, the third one being the, the finale to, uh, to a mm -hmm. story arc, which is kind of like two, nice. two episodes of story, the one episode action. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, uh, being the third, so, would you guys... So if you guys have friends that get bored, you know, like with stuff that's too slow, would you tell them just watch every third episode? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's hard because there's so much content in in the other episodes that you know build up to the the ones with action in them. So oh, I agree. Yeah, I really enjoy uh, how we have those at least pause in episodes where it's not big action spectacles because it gets you a little bit more deeper inside the mind of the character. You know what their motivations are, how they feel, what their beliefs are, and everything. So I think it's good. Like, I think that's one of the hardest things in any type of like feature film. You know, you, you have to rush through everything within two hours. So I enjoy it. And not everything needs to be, you know, fireworks and big explosions every couple of minutes. No, I agree with that. I do wonder if it's worth spreading it out a little bit more. I mean, I get that they're trying to uh, build up the drama to the big events. And I do like that. But... Not everyone likes shows the same as me. I feel like that might need to throw in just a little bit of action to each episode. Might make a difference. The previous episode, the closest we got to action was, was the the guy found out and almost started a fight and a TIE fighter flew over. So Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like the, the TIE fighter flying over, I feel uh was was a good example of that because like it was the there was not much, that much action at all. 
but when it flew over, it was so tense compared to everything else mm-hmm. happened in the episode. So you, yeah. now I have a bit more of a understanding and feeling about what it's like to have a big oppressive TIE fighter fly past compared to them being not as much so. Yeah, it's it, that's a great point because uh, when I, at least I don't know about you guys, but like when I watch Star Wars, like I'm so desensitized to seeing TIE fighters flying around getting blown up. But I think this was really the first time that uh, a TIE fighter kind of did a did a flyby, and I was a little nervous. I was like, <laughs> yeah. you know, like what's it what's it gonna do? And there's just one, but it was just like the context of that stressful, like oh he could shoot us if if he gets any ideas thinking that we're not supposed to be here or whatever and mm-hmm. uh, and then it was just like tension's gone as soon as he kind of whizzes past but uh, and i like what they did with the sound there as well because oh yeah it's yeah. like a it's like straight out of world war ii and you hear the fighter planes coming right oh yeah yeah great great sound design yeah that was uh that's a great point yeah uh, amazing amazing visuals and sound design so far on this show i mean uh the the scope and scale of this one is uh, it's kind of uh, telling Mandalorian to take a seat. <laughs> <laughs> take a seat, Mandalorian. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, um, this, it's 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 doing great so far. So uh, this uh, uh, this episode, it it, it 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 had Andor say something really interesting to um, Karis, who's um, the the younger guy on the team. Whereas the uh, the hat, you know, very passionate rebel, very much a believer in the cause and everything. And um, Andor says that the Empire doesn't care enough to learn. Um, I guess in retaliation to, you know, people's uprisings or whatever. Um, and uh, it just kind of, again, it just goes back to those things that we just bring up in almost every single episode now where uh, they're treating the Empire very very well in this episode they're they're putting it into character into perspective for a lot of people who might not fully realize why the empire's bad um because it, star wars is a very kind of uh in a uh, non negative critical way uh two dimensional in a way that there's good and there's bad right and that that's always been george's thing is like this is a story about good versus evil so you know i'm not saying that in a bad way but um, but this show really gets into like kind of Tony Gilroy's like goal of like, he doesn't like to make stories that are just so black and white and he likes to really make it in the gray. And, um, I think like that adds a whole lot of new, um, opportunity to add like a new perspective on different things. And, you know, you start to get people's individual opinions about like, uh, the empire and like, cause you know, it's their ruling government, right? And um, it sucks and it's oppressive, but like it's still like, kind of like they're that's why they're rebels, right? Um, so like it's uh, it's it's been really interesting for me to like kind of like see all that stuff. Uh, it's really cool because like only Clone Wars ever really got that deep um, in terms of like addressing the politics of Star Wars mm-hmm. on like a much deeper level. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it really reminds me of. I remember there was this one interview. Uh, I think it was with George Lucas and James Cameron where. Um, George, George was explaining how when he was making the original film, it was really about big establishment uh, commercialism type or organization like the, the Nazi regime, for instance, and comparing that to like rebel fighters. So I found that really fascinating. And I think that that at Andor, out of even all the or a lot of the movies um, does does that the most. 
and mm-hmm. um, whether that was their their intention or not, uh, I feel that at the most, at least. And just like the simple scene, like the Tie Fighter flying over, is the the most amount of nervousness I felt whenever whenever the I see like a, an Imperial starship fly over and never showed before. So it's really really interesting. I think it's uh, really calling to what um, Cassian was saying earlier, where they're they're really the empire is just fat and they're, they're so much power and strength. Mm, yeah. They just don't think anyone can overthrow them. So fat and satisfied. Yeah. 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 They can't even be bothered to, to try. Cause they think it's, it's worth, like nothing could possibly go wrong. Right. It's like Rome. Rome never thought it could fail until it mm. fell apart from the inside. Yeah. It's quite literally fat and satisfied. <laughs> like in, yeah. in this episode, I was, I was waiting for to hear that quote. Cause that was like my favorite line from the trailer. Yeah. And yeah. When, when he's, uh, I'm jumping ahead, but when he's trying to put on his belt, I'm like, yeah, yeah. That's, 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 that's literally, <laughs> literally fat and satisfied. Yeah. <laughs> oh my too, God. Much, too much Josh, turkey dinner do, for that guy. We should do a super cut and put that on the, on the YouTube channel. Yeah. So fat and satisfied. And they cut the they're so fat and satisfied. Just, just oh. his belt on. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be amazing. <laughs> um, the Empire has set up comfort stations to deter the locals from coming to this big event, which is this giant meteor shower. I forget the name of it. Uh, the Eye, sorry. Um, and uh, Lieutenant Gorn has been uh, on the site for seven years. That's a long time. Uh, and in that time, he's come to serve the rebellion, I imagine. And uh, he's definitely grown to despise his boss, who. Uh, you know, at the end of the episode, you definitely get that feeling when he kind of yeah. says it to his face. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I thought like the first thing there, um, Empire setting up like these comfort stations to deter people from, they're almost like lightly kind of, you know, preventing or giving them reasons not to come, right? Not to come to this yeah. place that oh, they plan yeah. to like flood or whatever mm-hmm. the plan is, you know. Uh, I guess it's not super important, but um, but yeah, yeah it like, makes sense. Right? Yeah, you said like what they left. There was like ten thousand, and like sixty people made it yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah, it came up a few yeah. times though. Like it, it came up when they were kind of looking over at the the uh, the scenic, uh, you know, coast and from the window of the base, and and uh, one of them kind of posed the question like, "Oh, do the the locals do they even know that they're not going to be able to come back here next next time or or whatever." Um, and, uh, I was like, yeah, <laughs> that's the empire though. Right. Like, yeah. They don't care. Yeah. They don't care. And I'm yeah. surprised they let him go there in the first place, to be honest mm-hmm. with you. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. There was, um, so many moments where I thought that the leader of that, was it the Adani clan? I can't remember what they, the tribe is called, but the local tribe, I thought they were going to, he was going to turn around and, and start some fight or something. I was, oh, it, was it was, it was tense, yeah. but then they're obviously a peaceful tribe and they just wanted to 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 do their ritual but yeah. uh, I, I got that feeling a lot of the time i was it's funny that he was being insulting and then uh was gorn was what was translating and he just like makes it up like he just like totally doesn't translate at all yeah <laughs> I, I noticed that <laughs> yeah, and then the guy got real pissed off he couldn't yeah. do anything <laughs> and they're they're having like their blanket ceremony like yeah, trading yeah, blankets exactly. or something yeah yeah i was actually kind of surprised that that the empire took part in that yeah, were, were either of you guys kind of surprised? Like, oh, they actually kind of give a damn? Like, you know, just like, let's actually like have this lead officer guy like bring down a blanket just 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 for the heck of their whole ceremony when in actual fact, like they don't care to who's like they're going to wipe that yeah. whole thing clean. Like, why bother? Right. Like, well, why are they doing this? It almost it almost felt like for me, like they didn't really have cameras in there, but it was like a PR stunt. So like all the, the the empire takes a photo opportunity and say, look how 
caretaking we are for local tribes throughout the galaxy and they send it back to send it back to Coruscant and they post all over the news and, and stuff so it looks like they're doing good for the I don't know they, they didn't have cameras there but that's what it that would have been that would have been a sense. really great yeah. angle actually if they had someone kind of purposely documenting it for like the propaganda side of it kind of like mm. uh, Mockingjay part one you know when there's that you know, it's a bit more of a, it's a slower movie in the, in the Hunger Games series, but uh, when they have Katniss kind of doing her thing purely for the propaganda of the rebellion, like they, they, they could have had a moment like that for sure. Like, I love that idea of just like have an imperial propaganda person just be like, all right, now st- stand here. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now give him the blanket, you know, <laughs> capture the yeah. photo. Yeah. All right. We'll send this and back then- on the hollow uh, news or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And then they just took the blanket and then burnt it. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know if that was part of the ritual. They no, were just mad. <laughs> that's what I got. Was they they're upset with the empire? They were pissed off. They're like, "We're not taking this like this gift and threw it in the fire." Yeah, yeah. because like the quote I have that the guy said was, uh, "Tell him our ghosts have strong hands and long memories," which like I guess indicates like that they're going to come back and punish punish the empire for all the bad things that they've done for the, to their tribe. And then like he translates it to be, I can't remember what he translated it like we're really welcome that you are here with us or something. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then the leader gives him a look like, that's not what I said. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Exactly. Oh man. Um, yeah. So uh, this um, Tamron guy who's on the, the rebel uh, cell, uh, he's, he used to be a stormtrooper and, you know, loves to give orders and stuff like that. And uh, I thought it was pretty, it was pretty interesting feeling in the room um, when, uh, when, there's a bit of hesitation on Andor's face when he looks over and goes like, Oh really? Like he's just kind of like interested in this idea that like this guy leading this rebel cell, like, uh, you know, on the mission used to be a stormtrooper. And I think there's definitely a lot of questions that are posed kind of like just at that remark. But, you know, I thought to myself, I was like, okay, well, you know, if, if someone didn't really know anything about star Wars, like, and, and then this came up, and it's like, oh yeah, that guy used to be a stormtrooper, right? I think like the best way that uh, I would probably describe it to those people is like, other than other than uh, the comparison between them and like a Nazi soldier, uh, would probably just be like they're the they're the evil face of the Empire. Like you know, outside of Star Wars, like whenever you think of the Empire, like I don't know about you, but I always think of uh, just a stormtrooper helmet. You know, I got one right here behind me. Like like uh, that's just kind of the face of of the Empire's military and like their enforcement and like they've got hundreds of thousands of if not millions of them across the galaxy, right? So um, it's just one of those things that that uh, I think people in that galaxy just don't look fondly upon stormtroopers at all. Like they're the, they're not quite the grunts, but they're pretty close to being the grunts, right? I think I think Solo was a grunt in that Battle of Mimban when he had that the mud, yeah the mud trooper yeah. costume. I think those are the real grunts, but uh, but the stormtrooper corp is 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 quite uh, quite gruntish as far as a job in the Empire goes. You don't want to be a stormtrooper. Um, yeah, it was interesting, and I, yeah. I think that's really getting to the the gray that we keep talking about because now we're seeing the stormtroopers as as people, right? Because yeah. they're people who signed up to serve. Yeah. They're not mm. like clones or anything. Yeah, exactly. And I yeah. really thought, I know we, we brought this up a previous episode, so I want to bring it up again because it seems like really fitting that this happened. This is how I wanted Finn to be portrayed. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's, a, that's, a fair, that's a fair comment because I know like Finn didn't get enough attention, I feel like, in the in the, those movies. And 
you know, it still makes me kind of sad that that he was just marketed. I know John Boyega is a bit sad about it, that he was marketed in a certain way and then just kind of let people down a little bit. Hmm. Um, yeah. Kirk, do you have any opinions on that? Like on uh, John Boyega? Like when, when Force Awakens was being marketed and you saw posters of Finn with a blue with the blue likes lightsaber you know the Skywalker saber and stuff like what what did you think about the character yeah I mean my most specific memory about Finn was that final shot in the second trailer where like he looks like he's facing Kylo and and although I thought I didn't necessarily think that he was going to be like the next Jedi and lead character it was pretty clear that 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 was going to be Ray's role I definitely wish that we also had an arc about Finn's character like we did uh, I've forgotten the character's name but the the storm the ex-stormtrooper in Mandalorian that had that sit down talk and and talked about um was it uh the the, the mission in uh, in Battlefront mm. 2 um Cinder yeah. Fire I can't Operation Cinder yeah, Operation that's right. Cinder yeah yeah I really wish we saw some more PTSD and and backstory for Finn which would have made his old character arc been a lot better and everything but in the end he kind of just started screaming Ray all throughout the whole <laughs> yeah. the, the last two uh episodes but like I, I still really enjoyed his character in episode uh in episode seven yeah um, but yeah de- definitely could have seen a bit more from him but at least the biggest takeaway I'm finding from these stormtroopers in Andor compared to uh, uh, a lot of the other films is that we see stormtroopers from the perspective of the common man versus our heroes and Jedi, mm-hmm. which makes right. them feel a whole lot more threatening, Yeah, I guess. Yeah. And more like people, because I mean, stormtroopers, like in the perspective of the Jedi or just as viewers of like the Star Wars films, I don't think we all really kind of identify stormtroopers as a person. Like, it's just like, oh, that's just another mindless drone. Yeah. <laughs> Cut him down. This is cannon fodder. Yeah, mm. yeah. Yeah, that's that's a great point, though. Um, so posing as troopers from uh, Alkenzi, uh, probably a post on that planet somewhere. Uh, the rebel cell infiltrates the base. Vel and Sinta use the service ladders on the bridge. And the meteor shower kind of begins. Amazing l- visuals for this oh, meteor man. shower. Uh, oh, wow. So cool. Yeah. It's funny when they first mentioned it, you know, like two episodes back. I'm like, "This is that's what went through my head." It was like, "I wonder what that's gonna look like." It must be really cool. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. must be. It must be off. something like this. This like whole like suspenseful like this big thing that people show up every seven years for. Right now, I know why. <laughs> yeah. yeah, because for me, like I, I uh, only watched the first Andor trailer when it came out like six or so months ago, so I really forgotten most of what it looked like. So when I was thinking, like, how on earth are they going to amaze me? Because I've seen, you know, you've seen it all. You've seen all the, the all those great sequences, the sequences out there. But when it came up, I was like, wow, this is, and I, a bit of a hot, a hot take here. I think it's one of the best looking Star Wars um, scenes visually of like of all time. Yeah. That's but, high praise. That's very high praise. But that that's uh, that, not of characters and stuff. But yeah, it looked beautiful, especially as they flew up past the uh, uh, into the sky and everything. It looked so good. Oh yeah, it was it was awesome. Yeah. Um, when Did you guys buy the idea though that they can get up there and maneuver around these asteroids? Oh, probably <laughs> not. I okay. <laughs> to be to be honest, when um, when uh, when uh, sorry, I'm blanking on his name now. Um, Karis, is it? Um, he when he kind of, when he's giving the directions on his yeah. manual compass, if you want to call it that. Um, I didn't understand anything. Like, how I was that like, works. I don't yeah. I don't know how that like. What <laughs> you know, like you know, vector yeah. vectors? Like I kind of like I kind of understand the idea of like 
tra- traversing in a certain direction on like a, a, a three-dimensional yeah. vector. Yeah, I understand that. But I'm like, how can you kind of know what to do in terms of like avoiding the meteor shower? Like, like I don't yeah. I, like I thought that uh, they're supposed to get out before they, that point happened. Right. Yeah. Mm. So like which like getting out of a planet is just simple as like just going up. Right. So I just I didn't yeah. I didn't really understand the whole like this thing is kind of guiding them through this meteor shower when the whole plan in the first place was to escape before that Beat happened. It. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, that that device had nothing to do with avoiding the meteors, right? It was just right. to like, like yeah, get, get them out of there. Exactly. I was, yeah, but, I was almost expecting Andor to be like, um, you know, that that cliche where people give technical readouts and they go in English, please. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, no, I um I I I don't know what it was about that thing, but I I don't want to say that it was just there to give that guy purpose in his last moments, but it kind of felt like that. Like it just um it just it, I don't know. It didn't really um didn't really cut it for me, but um yeah, that's good. That's good at least. Like I I thought um or I thought it was a, a good little tidbit at the end to add a bit more, I guess, substance to yeah. uh, Nemec's character. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's true. I'm curious to find out. Oh, wait, he died. I was wondering if he's going to be a cripple, though. That would have been interesting if they like did that and then we see him like yeah. in a wheelchair later. Yeah, I, I was I was kind of wondering that myself, whether or not we'd see uh, um, some cybernetic version of him in the future. Because like I know that doctor guy uh, showed up in the trailer, and I was I was kind of wondering who that might be. But uh, but yeah, I guess I guess they decided cool. to off him. Um, so a lot of the crew dies in this uh, episode where uh, I think that's that's Gorn, uh, uh, Terramin, uh, Nemec. Um, Nemec's uh, insides and legs are crushed like when the ship kind of takes off and that massive honking metal crate kind of just slams into him. Um, and yeah, then, unfortunate. yeah, Terramin and Gorn, uh, were killed in action while doing the robbery. And then finally Skeen. Uh, which um, Skeen was an interesting twist at the very end of the episode who kind of, we came to kind of thimp- sympathize with him last week when he revealed all that information about his brother and kind of why he joined mm-hmm. the rebellion and all that stuff. Um, and, and now it's just, it turns out that this guy is just the swindling pirate that's just like joined a rebel cell to heist the empire only to like steal the goods and like take off you know and I was yeah, like, it was a good twist though dang, i was yeah. not it. expecting that at all yeah because he seemed like the most uh, righteous one right he at also seemed the argument we yeah, got. yeah and he also seemed like the most hesitant to trust Andor. and when in actual fact why, i think someone who's that, that he was a bad guy yeah yeah well and like someone that devious though i would think that he wouldn't care just because he has got his own agenda and his own plans he's probably just hoping more that no one else finds out about his plans rather than like this new guy popping up last minute like, i have no idea but um i don't know i thought that was all very take it took me by surprise kind of thing oh yeah for sure yeah it reminded me of that scene in uh rogue one where andor just uh shoots down the, the guy with the arm because he you know he can't he can't climb yeah You're like this, this guy this guy's brutal he's like he's a hero he's this? supposed he's like the main character was supposed to root for but oh. like, he's just this is killing. This is killing people. But when I when I first saw that scene, I, I was shocked. But there was also a very very small part of me that thought 
Hmm, maybe that's like Skeen's final test to see. So maybe he was doing a <laughs> yeah. reverse bluff. Yeah. It's like he was just trying to tempt Andor to to run off with the the credits and see what he actually wanted. Uh, and then he gets shot. So like I highly doubt that was the case. But imagine imagine if it was that. That's that's a great point. Uh, and uh, you know you know how funny it would be though if he kind of like Andor went inside the tent and and. Um, uh, what's her name? Uh, is it Cinta or or no? Sorry, the other one, Carrot. Uh, no, uh, no, Vel. Vel. When Vel oh, was yeah. in there, yeah, she's like, uh, oh, I, did you pass the test? And he's, he's like, dead. wait, what? <laughs> uh, you mean the dead guy outside that? Uh, yeah, tried to steal the money. He wasn't there. He was just an actor. <laughs> um, yeah, that would have been awkward. Yeah, yeah. So actually, uh, sp- speaking of Cinta, what? What happened to her? Was she just on? She just stayed on the base. Yeah, I was, really con- so I was really confused. She strapped on Imperial officer disguise and went to go watch the rest of the show, and that was kind of where it left it. So uh, yeah, maybe she's just kind of maybe maybe her plan. Uh, I don't know. Everyone's got their own thing. I found like a lot of people on a need to know basis in the rebellion. So maybe she's got her own kind of plan that she's now supposed to be an inside person like maybe she's going to stay in uniform and just pretend to be an officer if that hold the rest of the show or something she, she managed to leave and get to the hospital planet or, or she was on their ship right she she was at the together. um at the area where all the locals had gathered to watch the the eye or um the you know the meteor shower oh i'm getting the two ladies mixed up that's why yeah so there was vel which was um um she was the um person that actually went into the tent and then andor came in with the gun mm-hmm. and then yeah sent her sent stay behind i think gotcha yeah yeah because we never saw what happened to her so she must still mm. be there right um yeah so i guess i guess i don't know maybe her story will pick up in in another episode um or or maybe we just won't see her, her again spin off we'll get yeah. some sort of junior novel yeah, yeah, yeah. Sinta mm. Star Wars story. <laughs> I feel like you could kind of like roll that into any character and it's just kind of kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. Imagine yeah. explaining that to the casual Star Wars fans. Like you remember Rogue One, which was a Star Wars story based off the uh, it was uh, a anthology <laughs> film. And then, yeah, like remember Rogue One and then remember Andor. So from Andor from Rogue One, there was his Star Wars story. And then remember Cinta from Andor from Rogue One from, from <laughs> yeah. her story. Yeah. yeah. It's like, it's like roots coming up from yeah. a tree. Yeah. 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 You remember that character from that show that acts as a prequel to the Star Wars prequels, which also acts as a sequel to the prequels <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. wait what oh yeah not many people can i i, I applaud <laughs> um so yeah skin's choice uh he's in it for himself um so we see that obviously some people uh working uh you know on behalf of the rebellion is is actually um almost like just in for themselves you know like there's uh there, there's there's obviously some selfishness going on there and uh in in other fictional worlds um uh, that we've seen uh you know from the likes of uh of middle earth you know or or um you, know, you name it uh there there's usually uh there's usually a story that that a character can go through that um you know they're they're the the deceiving one right and and i think like you know, selfishness and greed is, is like a common attribute to pop up a lot in, in both Star Wars and um, 
other stories as well. I mean, that's the Sith's whole thing is, is, you know, <laughs> greed, right? Like they're, they're hungry for power and, and they're just out for themselves. And so, um, you know, it's, it's a simple thing, but, uh, you know, I thought that that was just a really nice kind of like, it was a nice twist and, um, it didn't feel out of place for a Star Wars story at all. Like it, it, it was very in line with, um, just, uh, a common kind of evil attribute that we see in a villain. Um, a lot so but also giving it to us in a new way <laughs> um the isb prepares for retaliation did you guys um either of you kind of catch anything at all that was going on in that meeting room with the isb uh the head guy is kind of like tell your families you're not going home i want every retaliation plan and star system something or another like on my desk like tonight kind of thing and I don't know. Is this in response to the heist or is That's it what it seemed like? Cause they didn't really allude to anything else, but yeah. Cause it seemed, I feel like they would have got a delayed response cause they blocked all communication and everything. Mm-hmm. So it must be after that, we finally gets through and then they're calling into action. But I, I question think, yeah. how big of a deal it is for one planet's payroll compared to yeah. all of the empire itself yeah i think uh i think it has has to do with the heist because well just the scene just beforehand was uh or maybe it was just afterwards was mon uh mon 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 in the in the senate uh Mm -hmm. she was kind of reacting to looking at the news and, and everything but also i feel like as well that they went onto this big um this big all hands on deck staff meeting um in an emergency format because this is probably the first time the empire has been hit by any type of rebellion mm-hmm. uh, that um, I can't remember. I think it's uh, Deidre Miro. The I'm looking at the, the character name from the ISB. Um, she was the one that had an inkling thought that there might be a rebellion out there. Um, and obviously this is kind of proof towards that. But I feel like, again, the Empire being so fat and satisfied, they feel like they're untouchable. This might be mm-hmm. like one of the big... You know, the yeah, big first the, the um, eye-opening moment. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a great point. Um, and yeah. that could be why all the ISBs kind of scrambling to do something because they know they need to uh, make an example of them, right? Or else, yeah, people are gonna see, start to think the empire is is weak and maybe uh, not all that they've been led to believe. Well, and, and to put it into timeline context, I mean, this show is uh, is like what is it five? It's five years before Rogue One and. Uh, that means that it also takes place before the Rebels animated show. So we don't really have a whole lot to go off of as far as rebellion activity goes, other than what we saw in Kenobi, what we've seen in Jedi Fallen Order, and what we're getting in the Bad Batch. And between those three things, the any kind of rebel cell, if you want to call it that, doesn't really exist, like officially, right? And they haven't really done anything big enough to kind of get the Empire's attention, unless it's a Jedi or some clones going rogue, you know? And it's like, mm. this is like the first kind of big thing in 15 years, ever since the Empire's taken over so far that we've had in a story that's like, oh, dang, someone just like thwarted the Empire, you know? Like, mm. who the heck would do that? So, um, you know, that's uh, that's kind of like, you know, that, that that's a great point. So it's like timeline-wise, you know, this might be the eye-opening moment where, we start to realize like, Hey, there's an actual rebellion that's coming together. You Mm -hmm. know, like people are rising up. This is what 
uh, a reckoning looks like, you know, to quote the the first episode or the, the third episode it was. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like this is also the first episode that gave me a sense of like scale in currency too. Cause like, I think one of the ships they quoted was around about 30,000 credits. And, and then the highest was an amount of 80 million credits. So obviously it's a, it's a bit of money. So imagine like someone, I guess imagine someone stealing $80 million from like a local bank or, or, or something like that. Like it would make uh, it be a big deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was, I was curious what that is in star Wars currency value though. Like if you were to like, cause we know the the rebels, they end up with like the Mon Calamari, like battle cruisers. Right. Mm-hmm. So like how, how much does it cost to buy a ship of that scale? It's gotta be mm. a lot. Yeah. I, I don't, like I don't really know. Like, yeah, like I'm. I'm just curious how far forty million will stretch the rebels. That's that's what I'm wondering. Well, how much did they get? Forty million. Forty million. I think. Yeah. I think it may have been forty million a piece. Was it? Was that what Andor and? No, uh, I said twenty. Twenty. Uh, right. Wasn't it? Yeah, maybe. I yeah. can't remember. A lot of money. A lot of credits. Yeah. Well, we know that it costs about uh, fifteen to twenty thousand to buy a ship because you know, based on what Luke says in A New Hope. So mm. <laughs> yeah. we could buy, we could almost buy our own episode. ship for that. <laughs> yeah. In, the, in this episode, he offers thirty thousand, and he says that's twice of what it's worth. Mm. Right. Yeah, that's, yeah, true. I guess maybe fifteen thousand is like what you could buy a small car for in like a used in, car. In reality. Yeah. 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 So uh, you know, it's a lot of money. I mean, you can definitely buy a whole fleet of X wings or something. You know, with with all that, and um, yeah, uh, it's obviously we, Luthen's happy about it because we see how happy he is at the very end of the episode. You know the the joyous kind of like uh, um, on his face, you can just see it. Like he didn't expect it to pull, get pulled off. And it's almost like he's got like this hopeful feeling. Like, I don't know. It, it just ended on that, that mark for me. I was like, Oh, he's like, he's got hope again. Like just yeah. last week he mm-hmm. was like stressed out in that episode, super worried. He just put the faith in the wrong guy. And it turns out that this was the right guy all along. He even like, uh, killed the uh, the guy who was planning on stealing all the money for himself, and uh, you know now the rebellion's got funding. So um, really cool. Yeah, I felt for him. I, I felt a sigh of relief because this was a tense episode. Like I was uh, wasn't sweating, but like it was uh, like the the whole high scene, especially when things started to go wrong. I didn't expect it. Yeah. Um, and uh, I don't know if it's just me. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It was going it so like smooth, right? And then just all of a sudden that guy came in the room. Yeah. Yeah. You can like you, you know when you watch those like generic heist I guess Netflix movies and then and then uh, you can tell when things are gonna go wrong or something's yeah. gonna happen but some yeah everything seemed fine the guy just walked in and then I was like uh oh he's not supposed to be there yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> you guys they have tried to play it off pretty well I thought with uh, yeah Gordon, like trying to give him commands the problem was his his boss man there next to him was looked pretty uh pretty frazzled from hauling all the, all that all the credits he was pretty fat and unsatisfied at that point yeah. <laughs> well yeah, for sure we look forward to a lot more uh, fat and satisfied next week uh when episode seven comes out and i have no idea what to expect Do you guys have any kind of uh hopes or or uh, uh speculation as far as what we're gonna see uh kirk we can start with you Oh, I'm not too sure. I think uh, we'll see maybe Andor and um, Vel uh, link back up with Luthen. Maybe on the Coruscant, we should see that. Uh, Luthen reminds me of Fraser, the uh, from like the old like '90s TV show. So he's a really rich guy. So I think I think he's going to have a lot more of a uh, involvement there. But 
we're only we're six episodes in we've got another six to go and Man. yeah like yeah, yeah like like when we're watching the first three i i kind of you can kind of see where it's gonna where it's gonna go but like now that's i don't know what's gonna happen we'll we'll see what they use the 80 million credits for i guess yeah, yeah. <laughs> a, a big pizza party um <laughs> Yeah, I think I think Kirk's right in that I think Luthen's gonna be a big deal in upcoming episodes here. I think as it seems like Cassian's decided he's got his money, he has nothing to do with rebels, he's going he's leaving. Mm-hmm. So I think uh Luthen's gonna reach out to him and try to get him to you know join the cause. I think mm-hmm. that, that's probably what the next six episodes are going to lean towards. They're trying to get him on board. Yeah, because uh, I guess Andor, he was very hastily given Nemec's manifesto, which is uh, like a, right. a declaration of, of um, motives and, and intentions, right, on, on behalf of the writer. So it's almost like he was basically handed, like, the believer of the rebellion's, like, rule book <laughs> for, like, I guess why he's a rebel and why the Empire sucks. So, so may, start maybe, the next episode, he's gonna join all those, the yeah, the tribe. He's gonna throw it in the fire pit. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, maybe uh, maybe this journal is kind of gonna be the reason as to why Andor will join the rebellion and be a believer himself. So yeah, um, well, that's a good point. Seems yeah. likely. Yeah, there's yeah. a MacGuffin there for sure. Yeah, mm. it was great chatting with you both, and I guess we'll catch you in the next one. We'll see you out there. See you then. Keep flying. All right, and to uh, those of you tuning in at home, thank you so much for uh, for joining us this week on Star Wars Escape Pod. Big thank you to Kirk for coming back and our co-host Blake. Uh, it's always great chatting with uh, everyone who joins us on the show, and uh, we're looking forward to the next episode. We got a quick message here from Captain Rex. Public forces have deemed Star Wars Escape Pod as the recommended source for news and entertainment. Subscribe. Leave a voicemail and share the show with a brother. Oh, yeah, that's right. Share the show with a brother. Share Star Wars Escape Pod with your friends. Send them a link. Tell them you can find it on any podcasting platform across the galaxy. Uh, and uh, definitely check out the Discord um, email as swscapepodcast at gmail.com. Check out the Twitter, Instagram, which is at Podcast. Feel free to leave us a voicemail at the SpeakPipe address, which you can find the link in the description, or just send a voice recording on an email. We would love to hear from you guys. And uh, definitely tune in next week for episode seven of Andor, which uh, we're over the hill now, over the halfway point. So uh, we're going to see the first episode of the next story arc, which will probably carry through for the following three episodes. Um, That being said, I guess we will... Oh, drop us a five stars. And uh, we will catch you in the next one. May the force be with you.